Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. The following is a CA original. Pouncer, the Palm Squad. Pre- and post-game parties on Beale Street. It's all part of the Memphis Tigers basketball game day experience. This is the Tiger Basketball Podcast. What's happening, Tiger basketball fans? We are back for another edition of the Tiger Basketball Podcast. The uh, Tigers are uh, hopefully about to get a little healthier. I'm Mark Giannato, Commercial Appeal Lead Sports Columnist. I'm joined, as always, by Tiger Basketball beat writer Jason Munns. Tigers got a win over ECU last Thursday, a... You know, it it was close for a little while, uh, early in the second half, and then the Tigers take care of business, get some revenge against a team that upset them um, to improve to 11 and 8 and uh, 5 and 4 in conference play. Correct, Jason? That is correct. Yes. Um, They've had a week off, and they're going to play at Cincinnati Thursday, and then UCF at FedEx Forum Saturday night. So quick turnarounds um, and some some uh, concern about exactly how this is going to, how the logistics are going to work to get both these games played. We'll get into that in a little while. So we're, we're on today's episode, we are or this week's episode, we're going to talk, recap the ECU win, talk about, get an update from Jason on the health of the team, um, and then, If indeed they're about to get some players back, what will the rotation look like when, if Memphis plays Cincinnati on Thursday? And and we'll give you the details on what's going on logistically behind the scenes um, in terms of uh, there's some weather issues um, this week that might uh, impact the Memphis basketball team. Maybe talk a little Memphis women's hoops at the end, Jason, because the uh, Lady Tigers are uh, playing some good ball as well. Let's start, though, Munns, with the ECU win. It is a game in which Memphis was tied with ECU early in the second half. You started getting, Penny even admitted, he started getting some flashbacks to Greenville a couple weeks earlier when Memphis uh, lost at the buzzer to ECU. But ultimately, Tigers uh, find their groove in the second half pull away for a 71-54 win. They did it without Jalen Duran, without DeAndre Williams, without Landers Nolly, and without Jaden Hardaway yet again. Um, what, I guess, Je- uh, Jason, what were your impressions of the win? What was important about it in terms of moving forward? Um, they've now beaten Tulsa and ECU back-to-back. Nice to get the three-game losing streak out of the way uh, and over. But ultimately, two wins over what are trending towards being the two worst teams in the AAC this year. What was important about the ECU win? Uh, the win. I mean, like, I, I, I was talking to somebody about this last week, and uh, uh, it, I, I was, you know, we 
just sort of digesting the fact that Memphis had to, uh, the Memphis beat East Carolina and that it didn't look great. And eventually it turned into a 17 point win without all those guys that you mentioned. Um, there were, I, I used to cover a coach who I always thought in the moment that it was just like kind of coach speak or whatever. He, he, he used to always say, uh, after, especially after a win, winning is hard. And, you know, as I've gotten older and, and, and more experienced, like it doesn't that, that that doesn't it doesn't matter what sport you're talking about. Uh, it doesn't matter what level you are at, whether it's high school, college, pro, whatever. He's right. Winning is hard and it should be it should be treated that way and celebrated whenever you get one. Um, and so that's kind of that to me, that's the bottom line of the East Carolina game. Uh, uh, you 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 needed to win and you got it. And that's you know, why dissect it or um, try to read too much more into it than that? Uh, I mean, we can, um, but that's what I we're paid say, to do, Jason. That's true. But like I would say for the average fan, you know, like like just just enjoy it and let it go. But, uh, uh, t- you know, again, take it for what it's for what it is. It's a win. And that's that's what you needed. Um, but no, Josh Minot with a double double, uh, 13 points, 12, 12 rebounds, Earl Timberlake. AAC Rookie of the Week again. Josh yeah, second Martin. second time this year. Um, I mean, we can we could we could talk we could spend an entire podcast or maybe even two or three uh, talking about well, him. He's going to be interesting in the next part of this discussion about what this looks like moving forward. Um, yeah. uh, you know, because he is he has you know through these injuries he has really been given a chance to play through his mistakes. He's been given a consistent role. He's been a featured person in this lineup, and he's really taken advantage of it. I mean, he played 32 minutes against ECU, um, and his activity has been really helpful for this team. Um, I thought Lester had another good game um, for Memphis. He, you know, he had that great game against Cincinnati at home, and then hadn't really. He'd been he was okay against Tulsa, but. And he'd been up and down still. You thought maybe that Cincinnati game was going to be a breakthrough for him because he'd had an up and down season and he was up and down after that. You know, he had a bad game right after it and then played better against Tulsa. But then it feel, it felt like the ECU game, he, he strung together a second consecutive game and really raised his level at 17 points, um, four of eight from three point range. Um, so had a nice game. Chandler Lawson probably had his best game of the season, uh, against ECU gave you some really good minutes. I thought Earl Timberlake was pretty good too. Um, guy who had, he had 10 rebounds, five assists, eight points, um, kind of filled up the stat sheet a little bit. And again, you know, you're right. ECU is the type of game where if you lose it, it's a disaster. If you win, it's like, whatever. You know, like it doesn't, you know, like you just, it's just one you have to win, but it doesn't really help you. Um, right. But there were some performances in there that are both encouraging, but also makes what's coming next potentially, you know, complicated. As complicated as it was at the beginning of the year when they struggled with the rotation. So first, Jason, as we head into this Cincinnati game on Thursday, if it's played, who do you expect to play out of those four guys who were injured? How would you rank them in terms of who's coming back as of Tuesday morning at 1125 AM? Uh, I think Landers Nolly is probably the most likely. Um, 
I think they're all I think they're all trending toward being uh, available, uh, all four of them. But I think Landers Nolly is probably the closest to 100 percent out of the group. Uh, him and Jalen Duran maybe maybe one uh, uh, A and one B. Um, so I, I, I would put them, I guess, at a tie or, or a virtual tie for uh, most likely to be available. Uh, I'd throw Jaden Hardaway in there next just because he was on the coaches show last night. I don't think you put uh, a, a guy who's not going to play on the coaches show, the, the, you know, the, the coaches show before, um, before the, the next game. Uh, and then, so that would leave DeAndre Williams as next. Although again, I think all four of them are, uh, as we sit here Tuesday morning are, it's, you know, looking more and more likely that all four are going to be available. Interesting. So, so they should be at full strength. You think on if you had to guess right now, you'd say they're back at full strength. Yeah. Again, I mean, it's a it's a with DeAndre full, Williams full strength in terms of number of players. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, yes, we should say it like that. But also, DeAndre Williams, you know, he's dealing with a bad back. You know, you sleep on a bad back wrong, and and it could be it could take a turn south. So. You know, he's a day to day thing for me, uh, but I think all you know, signs are pointing toward him playing. Interesting. Okay. Well, that would mean this Cincinnati game, Jason, is the first time since the Murray State game. So, the last, the fourth loss of the losing streak at the beginning of the year when they went to five and four, that would be the last game where Memphis had every single player available. Even in the Alabama game, as you mentioned on my radio show Monday, Earl Timberlake did not play in that game. And then the Tennessee game happened. Then Tulane, they you know, Duran and Williams didn't play. Against Wichita, you didn't have Lomax. Um, whoa, 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 hold on. Chandler Lawson didn't play against Murray State. Oh, that's right. Wow. So this yeah. will be the first time since the Virginia Tech game. Correct. That they could potentially have everyone available. Correct. That's uh, yeah, way back yeah. on November. Way back on November twenty fourth. So that was the. So you could spin that narrative. They're undefeated when they had everyone available. That is true. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. They are five and zero oh when they have everyone available. Pretty, if I was Penny Hardaway, I'd be shouting that to the rooftop. Pretty, pretty, pretty interesting, I would say. Yes. Um, how would you handle this if you're Penny Hardaway? We'll, we'll yeah. get into what the rotate, what your rotation will look like. But just big picture, broadly, broad strokes. You've got all these guys, but you've also do, you've also got this, you know, lineup of eight guys who have really got, been getting extensive minutes with due to the injuries. How, how do you work these injured guys back in, or you know, like in broad strokes? Like what what's the what's the thinking here? I think I think you have to take the common sense approach, uh, and and it's and it's it's a multi pronged, you know, that's a multi pronged thing. I mean, you've got you've got guys like. Uh, you know, obviously Jalen Duran is, is a, is a beast. You've got DeAndre Williams, who's your leading scorer and potentially your most valuable player. Um, so, you know, you, you, you have to weigh 
bringing the, you know, sort of sprinkling that, those guys back into it, easing them back into it, I guess you could say. Uh, and you weigh that with the fact that like, you know, as you mentioned, Chandler Lawson gave you some really nice minutes in the last game. Um, Josh Minot has not, he's played fewer than 20 minutes once in the last like six or eight games. Since and that the one Tulane game, game, since the Tulane game and that one since game, conference play started. Yeah. And that one game he played 18 minutes and that was only because he got ejected with 12 minutes left in the game at East Carolina. So like he's been playing a lot. Um, there's just, and, 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 and there's a reason for it or there's multiple reasons for it. He's been, uh, needed number one and number two, he's been very good. Um, so yeah, there's a lot to consider here. Uh, but I think I, 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 you can't overthink it. You know, Josh Minot needs to stay at 25 plus minutes a game. Um, Deandre Williams probably doesn't need to play more than 12, 15 minutes. I would think, I mean, yeah, he's just hard, hard pass on that. If he's healthy, he should play. Like if he's healthy, you got DeAndre Williams, your best player, arguably. So then, There's okay, no so way I'm playing him. If he's playing, I want to play in like 12, 15 minutes a half. But wouldn't that come at the expense of somebody like Josh Minot? No, I mean, th- 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 let's get into that. Okay, let's get in. So I count if everyone's healthy, they got 12 guys who played yep. significant roles this year. I personally think Penny might play 11 guys. Like I agree. Ultimately, I don't think that's what he should do, but that's what history tells us that that's what he will do. So what here's what I would say. I'm not playing Malcolm Dandridge. He's out of the rotation. Zero minutes. Zero minutes for for Malcolm Dandridge. Okay, not going to happen. Not going to happen, but okay. No, I'm not talking about what Penny will do. I'm talking about what I would do. Got it. Okay. Wouldn't play Malcolm Dandridge. Been too inconsistent this year. And I and I think Lawson brings more to the table in terms of what this team needs, more so than than Malcolm Dandridge. Okay, um, so that brings you down to eleven. I'd argue Lawson would really only be my break glass and emergency type of guy in this lineup. I probably would be playing him minimal minutes because here's what I, I think. I think what's been proven, especially in recent games, I like Earl Timberlake. Not as the point guard for this team, but as the small ball four. So he can give you the the depth down low. And then you got Duran and Williams as your starting front court. And then, like, again, if you get foul trouble, whatever, loss, you can go, you can turn to Lawson. But minimum, I'm saying, like, between him and Earl, one of them has to get in minimal minutes. So maybe whoever's, whoever's showing you more in practice, whatever. Um, and then also Minot can play the four. I'm playing him still. Um, and then you've got. It's tough, doesn't it? Well, yeah. I mean, you got Lomax and Harris. You know, I think you got to pick one. Oof. One's playing minimal minutes. And one's playing, you know, point guard. But he'll play, you, you can probably play both of them. The question is, like, I, like you shouldn't play both Bates and Jaden Hardaway. They're, they're kind of the same guy. That's like part of the problem Memphis has. They got a lot of guys who are kind of like the same guy. And I know it's weird to say like Jaden Hardaway is the same as, you know, Monty Bates, the guy compared to Kevin Durant. But in their current form, yeah, so the far. position they play, like they kind of bring similar things. I, right. I probably would side with Amani, obviously, you know. But 
he should probably be playing like 15 to 20 minutes right now, given his level, the level he's been at. At the same time, Jane Hardaway's been, you know, when he's played, he doesn't make mistakes that the other guys do. He's not going to maybe have the the ceiling other guys do, but he doesn't make mistakes. Like, but I think you got to pick one of those two. You know, you know who leads the team in three point field goal percentage? Jaden Hardaway. That is correct. Yeah. Um, 47.6%. Then you got Lester and Nolly. I mean, it's tough decisions. And the problem is you're going to end up playing all of them or at least 11 is my guess. And, you know, we'll see. They, if what, you have all of them, they haven't lost. We, we, right. we determined that. Right. Um, I think but I th- when he had 11 of them, he went on a four, they went on a four game losing streak. Yeah. Yeah. So I think what, I think the, I think you're right about Malcolm. I think he needs to be, um, been too up and too inconsistent. Yeah. Like see how it goes, you know, like, like give Chandler a chance to be that emergency. I just, I just uh, like Chandler cause he's like a role player. He's a true right. role player. Like right. Malcolm's effectiveness is often dictated by like how he's scoring the ball. And like, yeah. I don't need him to do that. I need great defense and I need, um, you know, moving the ball, you know, like that's, and that's what Chandler Lawson will do for you. And he, you know, like, I, I just think he's more of a role player and that's what you often need in these lineups Memphis is playing. Yeah. So what I think Penny will do is, uh, Malcolm Dandridge, Chandler Lawson, Jaden Hardaway. Uh, I think those three will be, you know, somewhere in the six to eight minute range of peace. And, and, you know, like that to him is not playing like to him, to Penny Hardaway. That's that's that's, you know, amounts to not playing at all. Um, and so that brings you down to nine. And and yeah. I think that's what what you'll see. But it is know? playing uh, ultimately. But yes. oh, yeah, 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 you it know, is. There's only 200 minutes available in a game um, right. for a team to play. And so, I mean, if you look at it, you know, I, I don't know it, it, what it means is like Duran instead of playing. 30 minutes will play 25 minutes and DeAndre right. instead of playing 28 minutes will play 22 minutes. And like, you know, like, I, I don't know if I agree with that, you know, like, you right. know, ultimately like I, I want to give them more minutes, but you know, it is what it is. Um, and it, it's yeah. going to be fascinating to see how Penny handles it, whether it will, you know, it, you know, ultimately the, the, I guess the one good thing about how kind of up and down this season's been is that like, yeah, they've won two games in a row, but it's not like they have like great momentum that you're you're screwing up right. by injecting these guys back into the lineup. Like ultimately, what they were doing against Tulsa and ECU, probably as we head into this key stretch of the season, not sustainable to like win five of six or six in a row with that type of lineup you were having to trot out there with the injuries. Right. It's enough to beat some teams like Tulane, you know, or win at home against UCF. Like you can win some games with that type of lineup, but you're not going to you're not going to go on a run with that type of lineup. The only way you're going to do that is with some of these key pieces back. Now, the other side of the coin is I think it could also be, you know, they could also, you know, it could also not work because there's too many guys and, you know, you're having to figure out roles in the beginning of February again. Um and that's going to be difficult. That's going to be a challenge um, that falls on Penny Hardaway's shoulders, to be quite honest. One, convincing these guys of what their role is for this stretch run. 
and two, managing that rotation correctly, playing the right guys and the right lineups. Because that was a problem during the four-game losing streak. Before they started dropping guys, Penny struggled figuring out what actually works. You know? What lineup? He was forcing things, whether it was to get Amani Bates a bunch of minutes and shots, whether it was forcing, you know, not being willing to just play nine guys. Like it was, he was struggling to to hit on lineups that worked. And frankly, he still has. I mean, like he's playing Alo and Tyler together all the time right now, when all the evidence suggests like the only reason you should do that is if you're playing like a frantic press trying to come from behind. That is the only situation where playing Alo and Tyler has worked this year. But he's doing it all the time. Yeah. And it was fine, I guess, with all the injuries. But once you start getting these guys back, like you can't do stuff like that anymore. You right. can, you know what I mean? And so right. um we'll see. He's a feel guy. And my sense is his feel will be anyone who's available, I, I'm gonna use them at some point. Yeah. Yeah, he that's what he does. And and you're right. Uh you know, Alex and Tyler, they're 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 sort of perfectly suited together to help you come from behind. Uh Alex is a great defensive guy. Tyler is a great three-point shooter. Um it's, it's it's if it's a half-court game, you cannot play defense with those guys on the perimeter. They are too small. Right. You're gonna get away with one of those guys being small on defense, but having two of them small doesn't work. You offset it when you're running up and down the court playing a press. But again, that's like that's when you play that lineup, that backcourt. Otherwise, it doesn't make a ton of sense um, metrically, like based on the results that it has produced. And it's a pretty large sample size at this point. You shouldn't, you know, you don't you don't want to do that lineup. Um, Yeah. Just like Timberlake is a small ball four, works more, you know, like works pretty well. You pair him with DeAndre Williams or Jalen Duran. Um, those are pretty good lineups. Um, and it's like a, I think, a smart way to like that that should be your next lineup after your starting lineup. You know, like you have Williams and Duran in there, and then one of them gets tired or in foul trouble, you come back with Timberlake and Minot. And you right. still have pretty decent size there at the three, four, five. Um, and so um and defensive versatility um but well the biggest the we'll biggest see. the most interesting thing to me of all of this the two most interesting things to me about all this are what's going to happen to Josh Minot's minutes yes and Amani Bates's minutes those two are the big ones that are just to me mysteries at this if, at this stage if I'm Penny Hardaway I'm thinking about this not just for this week this month, the next month and a half, I'm thinking about long-term. I'm doing whatever I can to try and convince Josh Minot that his second year of college basketball, if he decides to play college basketball again next year, that he's doing it at Memphis. Uh, yeah, I've been saying it for two weeks. He, he I think if- Amani Bates is not going to be here next year because this right. hasn't gone well for his draft stock and whatever. They're going to try something different. Right. And like you want to keep both of them, but ultimately right. – if I have to pick one or the other to give big minutes to based on production, based on like what they bring to the table for the team right now. And based on the program as a whole, I think I'm picking Josh Minot. Yeah. I mean, like 
I, I think that what we've determined over the last couple of weeks, and I've been saying it for, for a couple of weeks now, um, that if you if you can only keep one guy off this team and 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 throw out the guys who are seniors and throw out the guy, uh, Jalen Duran, who's going to be a lottery pick, um, obviously they don't count. Uh, but of, of the pool that's left, if you have to, if you can only pick one player, and you're you're building a team around that player for next season, it's Josh Mino. Clearly, um, he 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 has he is so dynamic and has such a high ceiling that it's ridiculous. And um, but again, you know, like seeing what happens to his minutes in this in this, if everybody's healthy and you know coming down the stretch, it's going to be fascinating. Yes, it will be really interesting. And, and this is a key stretch here. Um, they play Cincinnati Thursday, quick turnaround, UCF at home Saturday night at FedEx Forum. Then they get Tulane, I believe, at home, correct? That is correct. Next Wednesday, I believe, which uh, is no walk in the park. Those those green waves. But Tulane's playing well. Um, but, you know, it's a game you'll be favored in again, especially yeah. if you're healthy. Uh, and then there's the big game at Houston, uh, February 12th, day before the Super Bowl. Um, and then you have eight days off and you play at SMU, um, who's the second best team in the league. So um, pivotal stretch here uh, for the Tigers. Um, and then you get Temple at home, Wichita State at home, at South Florida, Houston at home. Like this is the other than South Florida. You know, this is a stretch of games where, you know, you are playing, you know, and I guess Wichita State by record, but in terms of personnel, playing teams that were, you know, either that are either in the top half of the league or are projected to be in the top half of the league this year, including two games against the best team in the league and a road game against the second best team in the league. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, as I said last week, you know, get back to me after that SMU road game, um, and we can talk about where the Tigers are. Maybe if you beat Houston, we can talk about where the Tigers are in terms of, you know, postseason and all that. Um, but first, you gotta, you know, you gotta take care of. You gotta, you gotta win a tough road game against Cincinnati, a team that gave you everything you wanted and then some. At home, you beat them without DeAndre Williams, um, and. Uh, and then you go a, a game against UCF, a team that did beat you on the road. Um, and so, and as Penny mentioned, after that game, you know, they were that was a game where they the injuries really cost them because they could not play against UCF the way they wanted to, pressing and you know, a, a, applying pressure. So getting these injured guys back will be very helpful, especially for that game when you consider that they, you know, the press in, in Penny's mind is the key to disrupting UCF. So um, interesting set of games. There is some question, however, Munns, can you inform folks, is this Cincinnati game on Thursday? We've just spent a bunch of time talking about what, you know, all these injured guys potentially coming back. Is Memphis going to play Thursday? Uh, they're certainly going to try, um, okay. but there's a winter storm. And I forget what it's called. Is it Landon? Something why, like that. Why do we start naming winter storms? This is ridiculous. Hurricanes was enough. All right. Well, we're going to start naming thunderstorms in a couple years. Well, so be it, I guess. I don't know, man. Like, like, thunderstorm Charlie's coming into town. 
Might knock out the power tonight. Well, anyway, so yes, there is a there is the a, flashlights. There's a winter storm that is supposed to drop a bunch of snow on Cincinnati between Wednesday and Thursday night and potentially up to a half inch of ice. Uh like, you know, on roads and bridges and uh all sorts of stuff. And so I think there there's a I mean, I ultimately I think they're gonna play it. Um when exactly they're going to play it, I don't know. I mean, like, do they move it up uh, a few hours? Potentially. I, I think it's too late now to bump it up by a full day. Like, they could have probably played on Wednesday and, and you know, been okay. Um, been in a better shape than playing Thursday, anytime Thursday. But, um, but I think that ship has sailed. Um, so... Yeah, no, I, I I think that uh, there is some concern with this with this weather that's coming in. That's supposed to hit a, it's not just hitting Cincinnati. It's hitting you know a large portion of the country. Um, there's some that's hitting here. I think some part of the same system is going to be hitting Memphis uh, with some sleet and freezing rain and wintry mixes and uh, possibly some snow over the next few days. So um, travel is a concern. Um, I know that Memphis has reached out to Cincinnati to just sort of like see what everybody's thinking, you know, well, it sounds, it sounds like Memphis shouldn't have trouble getting there tomorrow. Right. It's more because they play Saturday. You really got to get out as soon as that game ends. You don't want to be stuck in Cincinnati Friday and potentially have to travel day of game or something, or even worse, you know, miss the UCF game. You know, if you're Memphis, you don't want to miss the game. You know, it's more honestly from a financial perspective, you want to play the home game more than the road game. Although yeah. Cincinnati, I believe, as of right now, is a top 75 team in the net. So it technically yeah. is a quad one game. Yeah. I I suspect, much like the Wichita State game on the road earlier this season, if Memphis wins, they will no longer be in the top 75 and therefore right. it wouldn't be a quad one game. But um, I bet you they figure it out with private planes. All you got to do is be able to drive a bus from a airport to the hotel, to the arena and back. And well, anybody, you know, who's, anybody, they're, they're who's good at snow removal up there. Muns. It's Cincinnati. It's Ohio. Well, what about ice? That's why you apply the de-icing stuff beforehand. That's the one thing Memphis lacks. And I don't blame them for lacking it. Because, you know, it doesn't snow or ice here very much. Um, you got to, it's about prep. You got to, you got to put those chemicals on the road. That really helps. Um, and just in general, there's a mindset up there of like, you know, we go. We'll, we'll, we'll figure it out. We'll drive through it. And, you know, I think, and so luckily my guess is the Tigers bus driver will be an Ohioan of some kind. Right. Not, okay. you know, and so, you know. <laughs> They'll they'll have some they'll have they'll have a gritty driver driving the bus. They'll get the game in. Yeah, no, I think I think I think they will as well. Um, it's just you know, I think there's at least it a, might end a, up being beneficial to them because the crowd Cincinnati some usually has a pretty good crowd. That's With true. bad weather, you might have a you know not so raucous crowd. That's true. Well, even if they have to bump it up uh, by a few hours, I I think you're right. I think they'll get it in. Um, and uh, but yeah, no, that, that crowd situation could be a thing because, I mean, you alluded to it earlier when Cincinnati came here. I, I know I forgot it until I was looking at the box score earlier. 
Um, Cincinnati had the lead with 51, with 51 seconds left in the game. Cincinnati was up. They hit a FedEx Forum record number of threes. They tied, yeah, they tied the record for most three pointers by a college team in FedEx Forum history, and, uh, and Memphis still won. It was one of their best wins of the year. I mean, the Alabama yeah. win is obviously the best win, and you could argue either the Wichita State win or the Cincinnati win were their number two win of the year. Hey, check this out. Who do you think the number one team in the country is in effective field goal percentage defense? Cincinnati? Yes. And they gave up 87 points at FedEx Forum to the Memphis Tigers. So, uh, you know, we'll see. We'll see uh, if the reinforcements can, uh, if DeAndre Williams can uh, keep, keep. And Memphis has not been great on the road. They won at Tulsa, but otherwise has not been great on the road this year. Um, so will be an interesting test. We should talk real quick. I have a column up at commercialfield.com about the Memphis women's basketball team, Jason. Oh, yeah, Did yeah, you yeah. know the Lady Tigers, after beating Temple the other day, I was at the game, exciting game, 163-61, 63-59, something like that. Um, they are now 12-6. and six. It is their best record entering the month of February in a decade, which is also, hopefully coincidentally, the uh, or not coincidentally, um, the last time Memphis participated in a postseason tournament of some kind. They were in the women's NIT that year, 10 years ago. Um, so Katrina Merriweather has that group, uh, has turned that ship around in her in year one. Um, just figured I'd mention that. Uh, uh, Jamira Schutz, uh, veteran, and uh, uh, Maddie Griggs um, both uh, played really well the other day to help Memphis win that game and then there's been a couple of uh right state transfers that have played really well for them uh Amani Jefferson little guard and uh Tyler Frierson um you know but it's it's interesting how she's melded Katrina Merriweather you know new and old on that team and and certainly uh has a compelling product over at El Marone Fieldhouse which is a nice change of pace after you know how down in the dumps that program had been in recent years yeah, well, how about this? Speaking of recent years for uh, for Memphis women's basketball, the 12 wins for the Tigers so far this season are triple what they had last season. Yes. Um, and there's eight regular season games left. Yeah, they went 4-11 and 11 last year. It was a disaster. I mean, Mer- McFerrin left, you know, a month right. with a month left to go in the season. And, um, you know, it just was... It was it was long overdue for a change in leadership over there, and it looks like the the it looks like the initial excitement over uh, Meriwether's hiring uh, she's justifying it in year one. Um, yeah. She seems to have everything headed in the right direction. You know, they're still not an NCAA tournament team; like they're still outside the top one hundred in the net rankings of women's basketball. But they've gone from being either the worst or second worst program in the in the league to like a middle of the pack team in the league. Um, currently, and, yeah, currently, and that's year one. Yeah, currently seventh in the AAC standings, and like you said, the fact that they've been bottom feeders for the last year or two, or however long it's been, uh, it's been longer than that. I mean, they haven't been above five hundred, I think, since twenty fifteen sixteen. Um, haven't made the tournament since like ninety five NCA tournament. I mean, it's you know that's a program that has has really struggled over the years, but it feels like. Uh, Feels like they made a good hire in Katrina Merriweather. 
We'll see if they can continue the momentum. Still haven't played a lot of the best teams in the AAC yet. Um, like, they're not there yet. You know what I mean? Right. But, like, it's definitely just they're, they're more resilient. They're they're tougher. They play a better brand of basketball. Um, they're, they're headed in the right direction. So uh, credit, good, credit. good for the Lady Tigers. Yes, credit Katrina Merriweather and, and Laird Veach and Lauren Ashman, who are instrumental in bringing her here. Yep, absolutely. All right, well, um, I think that's all we've got time for, Munns. Um, you may or may not be headed to Cincinnati, depending on the weather. Um, Still but weighing we, my options. It may weigh my options, Mark. It may shock you uh, as a native Southerner. I've never driven in snow before. Not uh, once. Yeah, that's tough. That's tough. It's listen. It is. It's tough. It's difficult. But when you do it and you finish the job, it is. It is very rewarding. You feel like <laughs> you've accomplished something. Okay. Uh, yes. And right. and it's all about. Th- the right tires, you know, four-wheel drive is key. You know, you need certain, you know, you need fresh tires, four-wheel drive. That those the, You got those two things. As long as it's not like, uh, you know, anything under eight inches, you you can get through. <laughs> well, uh, it remains to be seen. We still got some time to decide. Yeah, we shall see. Well, cer- you'll certainly be at FedEx Forum Saturday for the UCF game. So two games coming in rapid fire. Um if the Tigers can win both of these, we can start talking about, you know, that M word momentum and 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 especially if they get these injured guys back as expected. Jason and I will have tons of coverage over at commercialappeal.com. Uh, make sure you are checking it out. Till next time, I was Mark. I was joined by Jason. Um, and we will see you next week, hopefully, with a great story from Munns about driving through the snow. Tiger Basketball Podcast is a production of the Commercial Appeal. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.